Hello, spring may have sprung with the arrival of March, but so too has the awards season. And with it, the first of two special episodes of All Things Business, the podcast, dedicated to the recent Northamptonshire Business Excellence Awards, which were streamed virtually to an audience across the county and beyond at the end of last month. I'm John Griff. Stand by to hear from some experts in excellence. Coming up over the following 35 minutes or so, you'll be hearing from the winners of half of the 12 sponsored categories, which made up a glittering event preceded by a wonderful masterclass in gin from Tom Warner of Northamptonshire-based spirit sensation Warner's Distillery. And while I can't offer you live musical entertainment from renowned singer Farrell Smith this time, I can offer you an insight into how the county's economy may well be heading out of recession before very much longer. We'll start with one of the judges of the awards, though. Richard Osborne heads up the British Data Group, helping businesses getting started, championing the causes of business based here in the UK, and on occasion challenging the government of the day principally through Companies House. With very nearly a year of lockdowns, furloughs and redundancies caused by the pandemic, I asked Richard if he felt that the winners had proved that they had the staying power to adapt, manage and trade out of an injured economy. That's exactly it. The It's, it's what separates a good business from an exceptional business somebody can be good at business just by selling a good product and making a good bit of money um, and you know being profitable and that's great that's just being good business but what makes you exceptional and that's the entrepreneurial spirit within the business is that you're always looking ahead or you're be you're you're prepared to take a gamble to take a step that really is going to think right this this is all changing around me now i've you know i've got to do something different and whether you're afraid of making that step or not you just do it and that is the difference in my mind between a good business and an entrepreneurial business. Richard um, everybody says it's very hard to be a judge but really in practice has that been the case for you? It is really it's very difficult when you're trying to take a bit of emotion and focus on what the winning criteria is because there are some categories that are easier and you can you look at them and you can work through you know what why does this business stand out from another but then there are some community uh the community award this year was particularly challenging because the uh everybody there's done such great things but there can only be one winner so when you're going through that and you look at what each person's done you then have to start getting really picky and then you feel quite nasty for doing it <laughs> but but you start questioning yourself thinking am I a good person but you have to make these tough decisions so in some ways it's you know some are easier than others but yeah I it's it's a thing that I really enjoy doing and we you know re- recommend anybody given the opportunity but you it, there are some bits that are tough it's a strange thing to do, particularly with the year that we have had for trade. Are there any common themes in terms of what you are looking for in winners? I, I appreciate each category has got its own nuances, but were there any common themes in what you were looking for in the winners, given that so many people's businesses have had to, well, find new ways to operate, for starters? With, without a doubt. The, um, when you're going through uh, all the entries... Uh, some of them have been really great for a number of years uh, so, and so what you're looking for you're looking for it is this year's awards so what have they done this year and then what's made them stand out for the rest because they've all done great things so you then have to weigh up 
what is one greater than the other and for that you then have fall back to the criteria so when somebody's uh, just a little sneak tip for people that are entering awards look for what the judging criteria is and focus your entry around that because that's what we really have to fall back on and look at but really looking for something that really is outstanding above uh, above and beyond um, the norm Okay, so the rubric, as it used to be with the old uh, days of the A-level, read the question before you answer, read the rubric before you put the entry in. Did you find what you were looking for this year? We did. I believe we really did. The, it's been such a challenging year for so many people. And that's what we found across almost all the entries was how um, business people and businesses themselves and the teams within those businesses have adapted, diversified and done something a bit different and i think that's really made them stand out this year and really shows what great businesses we have in the county that's richard osborne one of the hard-working judges at this year's northamptonshire business excellence awards right on to the winners apprentice of the year sponsored by starting off jasmine abel Haven sons jasmine abel took the award and a couple of days later on her lunch break told me not only about starting her career with Caven sons but also how it felt to be announced as a winner oh it was so overwhelming at the time um such a great feeling uh, i just feel incredibly privileged to have been given this opportunity really um it's given me even more motivation to progress through caves now tell me what it is that you've been doing for caves most recently because clearly you've made a name for yourself yeah, um, I was working on a paperless project, part of my apprenticeship, I had to present a presentation. So I did a big project on going paperless here. Um, and one of the things I implemented was a signing app. So before we signed in on paper, and now we have an electronic device. So yeah, really good. Where does caves feature in your career prospects for the future because being an apprentice doesn't necessarily mean you're going to carry on with the company that you've been working for no so i finished my apprenticeship oh gosh in august time i did all different job roles within the apprenticeship and then when i finished i actually moved over to the financial planning administration side which i've just i've stayed in there and i i love it I love that side. Um, and I've started doing uh, some exams. So I started my first studying at LP2 in November. And I've just passed my first one. So I'm on to the next now, studying for it. So congratulations. It sounds like you're a bit of a boffin because what with the exams at school, <laughs> then you have to go through the apprenticeship process where, okay, fair comment, you're earning and learning at the same time. But there are, uh, there, there are standards that you have to meet through that term. Now you're looking at more exams uh, beyond that. Are you a particularly academic person? It sounds like it, Jazz. <laughs> I'm actually not, believe it or not. Um, so I went to I went to sixth form. I, uh, what did I do? I studied English literature, uh, psychology, and philosophy and ethics for six months at sixth form, and just decided it really wasn't for me. So I came and did this apprenticeship, which equated to doing A levels. Um, I much preferred it uh, with the working on the job and studying at the same time. It just makes sense. Like a lot of my friends have gone to university now, so I'm just going to carry on studying. More and more people are going down the apprenticeship route rather than perhaps going to college or going to university. That that notion of being able to learn on the job in an environment where jobs are really heavily sought after, that seems to have really suited you down to the ground. Did, did people get surprised when you said, no, I'm going to be an apprentice rather than going straight to uni? Yes, yeah, definitely. Well, it was driven to me a little bit to go to university. 
but I just thought I couldn't see myself doing anything. I was I wasn't sure what I wanted to do if if I went to university. Yeah, I'm so happy that I went down this route. And I guess that also means that you're not standing around with lots and lots of financial debt hanging around your neck. Yeah, true, yeah. Well, congratulations on becoming Apprentice of the Year. That looks good on the CV. <laughs> what What are your colleagues said about this? I know it's it's early days, but what have they said about you being a winner? Oh, wow. They're all so supportive. Um, I had uh, a mentor, Meg, here at Caves, as well as a mentor from starting off. Yeah, it just feels feels great. Give it two or three years. Am I likely to be calling you up to say Jasmine Abel Businesswoman of the Year? Could that happen? <laughs> Possibly, you never know. It's great to talk to you, Jazz. Congratulations on Apprentice of the Year. Good luck with the forthcoming exams and all the very best with Thank Caves you. as well. Nice to talk to you. Thank you so much. Lovely to talk to you too. That's Jasmine Abel. Professional Services Award, sponsored by ACS. HR Solutions. Navigating through the plethora of laws, rules and regulations surrounding employment has never been easy. After 20 years of trading and a number of recent acquisitions, though, HR Solutions is a recognised expert in the sector. And Greg Guilford set out for me what his firm, founded by his mother, offers its clients. Typically, our service offering is for companies that don't have a HR department, so Typically, uh, well, anybody with uh, one employee up to about 200, is, it tends to be who we service. But most of our clients fit between the 220 to 100 employee bracket. I suppose for a lot of people over the last 12 months, HR has meant, well, sadly, a lot of redundancy, a lot of furlough, a lot of dealings with people and a lot of departures rather than perhaps arrivals. Has that been mirrored in the kind of business that you've been doing? Yeah, so since since March, April last year, that that has been the majority of our conversations has been supporting clients, uh, understanding the furlough, flexible furlough, and also to help them plan for the future in terms of recovery. Um, a lot of our clients have obviously been using the schemes that are in place, uh, and some have, you know, forecasted that those roles might not return, so have had to do some redundancies. But there is some positive news out there that we do have quite a few clients who are actively recruiting at the moment as well. So we are starting to see a bit more of that happening of late uh, as people sort of get ready to bounce back. Let's talk about that briefly. We've now seen, um, as of the last few days, Boris Johnson announcing the proposed roadmap out of lockdown. Where do you see the, the, the next 12 months going? Because there's a lot of nervousness uh, in various sectors, if you look at the the travel agency business, if you look at uh, large scale weddings, for instance, and, and all the various businesses that hang off all of that, there's a lot of nervousness in the market from the consumer about whether or not they're going to be able to capitalise on on this roadmap if indeed it, it follows the the route and the dates uh, that it's talking about. From a business point of view, what do you see employers doing? Are there uh, in- increased inquiries coming up now? Do you sense that business that might have had to furlough people will be bringing them back in and in fact the 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 HR market actually may start to get busier in the next couple of months I it's, it's probably a little bit too early to tell if the last 12 months has taught me anything it, it's hard to plan for everything and understand what the uh, government might do day to day I mean I, I am seeing a, a lot of clients uh, new clients who are starting up businesses who may have been furloughed themselves and or made redundant and looking to sort of uh, pivot, I think, was the one of the favourite terminologies yes, over the yes. last twelve months. <laughs> but you know, they're they're looking to you know create something new uh, in terms of a demand that um, they they foresee coming up. Uh, and I think some some of our clients and a lot of other businesses have done the same thing. You know, they might have 
pivoted and doing something different, uh, which might mean they need more staff. It might mean they're just using technology um, a bit more. It, it's really hard to say um, how that affects our client base and, and SMEs across the UK because everyone does some, something different. Um, but I'm pretty sure the government's going to want to uh, encourage uh recruitment so they had the kickstart scheme that's ongoing i would imagine that's going to be extended and encourage more job creation um but equally try and protect some of those jobs for a little bit longer using the furlough scheme until until i guess everyone's had a, a vaccine um so you know, july august time probably um you know I, th I think there will be a bounce back in the second half of the year i, I don't think we'll see too too much before july and all of that will have implications for employment, which in turn means that there's implications for HR solutions. Here you are, Professional Services Awards winners, uh, very much a family company, very much uh, family values. What does it mean to take the award this year, Greg? I don't know if you were watching, but yeah, I was, I was shocked, to be honest. Um, we, we had some <laughs> strong competition uh, in our category, so... Um, you know, my team have definitely gone above and beyond the last 12 months. So, you know, I, I definitely feel that they, they deserve the recognition for that. Uh, and I'm yeah, amazingly proud that we, we actually won. Congratulations to you and the team. Worthy winners. And here's to an upswing for everybody's economy uh, and everybody's community in 2021. Greg, congratulations. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, John. That's Greg Guilford from HR Solutions, winners of the Professional Services Award. Innovation Award. Sponsored by All Things Management. FFP Packaging Solutions. Now, from my own days of commerce, I used to know FFP by its original name, Foil Wraps Flexible Packaging. That was about 25 years ago. These days, and after considerably longer, FFP is still at the cutting edge of packaging and food wrap. Commercial Director Helen Clements gave me an example of how the company's products have impacted on the lives of the public. When you go and roast your whole chicken in your oven, that was a, a pack format that was developed here in Northampton to make sure that the ovenable film, uh, which is printed, is, is food safe. Uh, we make pouches. We sort of print and laminate film and make them into, into pouches. We work with major um, confectioners uh, to do sweetie wrappers. Uh, so um, with uh, swizzles and customers such as that um, and customers like Euro Foods, which are also based in, in the area. Um, but we, we take different substrates and look at what's best for the product um, and for the consumer and the end market. So our development of an innovation over recent years, over the last three years, has been heavily involved in um, sustainable packaging. Um, we've done over 54 years and, and we are still an owner-managed business. So although the business was started um, by the Chudley family, um, Robin Chudley, our, our chairman, uh, it's, it, you know, is still um, in the business on a day-to-day -day basis. And we've got employees that have been with FFP for over 40 years. So it's been a part of the town that people will see and know, um, but yet we just continue to, to develop and grow. Right now, there's a real topicality surrounding packaging, and it's to do with uh, pollution. It's to do with climate change. Uh, the royal family has been involved. Big business has been involved. Uh, different nations have been involved. It, it sounds, Helen, as though actually you're right at the cutting edge of that. How much of what you develop is based on your own scientific activities? Yeah, I mean, it is really, really key, you know, sort of 
when David Attenborough sort of launched the the Blue Planet series, you know, I mean, we've been developing and innovating products for years and years, you know, lightweight materials, reducing the amount of plastic. But the Blue Planet sort of really did highlight to people um, that, you know, sort of to take a good look at plastic, something that we've been doing for a long period of time. But plastic is key. I mean, ultimately, if you removed plastic from the food supply chain, we'd increase food waste, you know, sort of to be a far bigger problem than the amount of plastic that you know sort of um you know that's out there you know if you if you don't have strawberries in a punnet you probably have three hours worth of shelf life whereas you know sort of the consumer wants a minimum of three days so plastic has to to form a part um so for us at ffp it's looking how we can make create solutions that um, are ready for recycling in existing waste streams now. So the, uh, our latest developments are our ester seal pack format, which is the first PET lidding film that remains welded to a tray, pot or punnet, which means that really you're creating a PET box. So mm-hmm. if you go into Asda currently and you see their grapes or their blueberries, the lidding film on top is produced by FFP. Um, we print and laminate that. And then it, the grapes are packed into the punnet, the film's sealed on top, and then the film can be opened and closed multiple times. But because it remains intact with the tray, at home you can then just recycle that in your existing recycling bin as, you're, as with other pots and tubs. It means it can be recycled and the film goes in with that. And then it goes into the recycling centre and then goes through and can be made back into, you know, sort of uh, can be recycled into end goods. So plastic does have a part to play, but it's working in a very joined up approach with the rest of the supply chain to understand how we all do our bit to support the recyclability of films. So removing complex laminate, keeping it to mono structures has been really key for us. And also identifying where there are existing waste streams available. So whether it's recycled with carrier bags at larger stores or in, in, your, in your waste bin at home, that's been really key in our product development and innovation. And that's where the tick in the box comes from when it comes to winning the award as the most innovative company in the Business Excellence Awards for 2020 into 2021. Congratulations to FFP on this uh, particular award. Well done. Thank you. We're delighted. Helen Clements from FFP, winners of the innovation category at this year's Northamptonshire Business Excellence Awards. Does your business need to be seen, be heard or be found? Now more than ever, companies need to make it clear that they are open for business. All Things Management is a team of creatives who connect their clients to their audience. To find out more, visit allthingsmanagement.co.uk. Be seen, be heard, be found. We are halfway through the first of two special editions of the All Things Business, the podcast, celebrating the winners of the 12 categories at this year's Northamptonshire Business Awards. And it's time to move on. Employer of the Year, sponsored by Wilson Brown Solicitors, Scott Barder. A hotly contested category this one. In the event, the title went to Wollaston-based Scott Barder, a company gifted by its founders to its workforce decades ago. 
a global business, its chief executive, Kevin Matthew, was at pains to impress upon me that the company's values had been applied to all employees in its various international markets, and how the company's ethos has helped it through the last 12 months. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the reality is that, that if you're clear on the value that you place on, on your colleagues, I don't think it's so difficult. So, for instance, we were very rapid in terms of you know, securing health and safety and, and sort of social distancing and supporting individuals that we asked to work, work from home. So we were very rapid in sort of literally overnight move, moving into a completely different way of working. And of course, that's partly aided by the fact that, that everyone wants to participate in that process. It's not, you know, every, you know, everyone is keen to look after one another. So that was relatively easy to sort of transition into. And then we also, um, you know, very quickly agreed that we would, you know, safeguard the livelihood of of everyone to an equal degree. So across the group, for instance, we had certain parts of the group where the plants were were closed down because of government government mandates, but we still guaranteed them the same situ same position they would have been in the UK. So 80% of their salary was guaranteed, uh, with the opportunity to then bring forward. Uh, holidays or, or or a bonus that was due to be paid later in the year to basically top them up to 100% of their of their normal income. So that essentially no one across the group should have seen any change in their fundamental income, regardless of whether they were on furlough, whether their plant was closed, or whether they were at work. And so that that's really important. And then of course, you know, when, whenever you make these these changes, sometimes you, you need to, you know, you need to adjust your 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 sort of size of your workforce. And and certainly here in in, in the UK, we went through a, effectively a, a voluntary redundancy, recognizing that there were a number of individuals that were, you know, were, were probably quite keen to move on uh, and, and retire or, or or for various other reasons wanted to to perhaps step down. So so again, we did that in a very much a consultative approach rather than a sort of um, a forced uh, sort of redundancy or compulsory redundancy. And I think that this is really at the heart of the organization, which is one around consultation, you know, listening to 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 how how you know the colleagues really want to be treated and 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 how that's best sort of communicated. And certainly in that context, we have a effectively a democratically elected body called Members Assembly that works closely with the the conventional board. And and you know in 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 the areas where we needed to make difficult decisions and difficult changes, they were pretty instrumental in in sort of advising us. Actually, we think that could be that particular package for if you like exiting individuals could be could be strengthened or or we should be a bit more generous because of the the backdrop uh, out there in in the in the job market. So, you know, I think it, it, it sort of sends you in a direction of trying to be fair rather than just looking at the numbers. How is Scott Barter holding up now? No, so so Q2, second quarter of last year, with the first sort of major set of lockdowns around around the globe, we were we were impacted. Um, but we didn't we did we but nevertheless we still managed to generate a positive cash flow in the business uh, uh, through all those months. Um, and we finished the year you know strongly ahead of, of our 2019 numbers um and, and and really with a very strong cash performance as well for the year so so actually from a financial uh, perspective and, and a number of other uh, perspectives it was a very successful year for for scott barter 
And all of this in the run-up to what is, for the business and therefore for Wollaston, a very important year. Our centenary year, that's right. 100 years in existence and and 70 cents the company became employee owned. So we have, you know, we have a a series of events um, organized, some of which we hope we will be able to do um, face to face, or at least with with masks, if nothing else, um, as as we move through this year. Uh, But it's really a a comment, I guess, on on the success of Scott Barber's and employee owned operation in, in the sense that there are very few companies in the chemical industry in the UK chemical industry that you know that that are have survived as as independent entities and I think that that demonstrates it can be done it's not a bad way to come to the end of your first century in existence to be starting the second with the title of employer of the year given that employees are as important to the future in any business particularly a family-based one as Scott Barder has always been Kevin, congratulations on the award and here's to the successful second century for Scott Barder. Thank you very much. And we look forward to playing our role in transforming the chemical industry and, and you know downstream industries to become more sustainable. Winner of the Employer of the Year category, that's Scott Barder's Chief Executive, Kevin Matthew. Community Project or Person of the Year, sponsored by DBFB. Theresa McCarthy, the McCarthy Dixon Foundation. Imagine running your own business, dependent on the public frequenting your premises for a living, and then being told by the government that to save lives you had to sacrifice that living by shutting down. Immediately. It's precisely what happened to publican Teresa McCarthy Dixon from the Swan and Helmet pub in Northampton. But far from turning off the lights and locking the door, Teresa instead turned the pub into an altogether different kind of community hub. A food bank for those in need. She told me what it had been like when the pub had been a different kind of hub. If I'm honest with you, look, the Swan and Helmet has always been a community pub. We have ran, honestly, hundreds of events. We've raised probably in excess of 200,000 in my 14 years at the Swan and Helmet. And look, we have probably been very fortunate to be the landlady and landlord of this pub. So it was something I wanted to do for the community. And look, if I am honest, initially when I started the food bank, I didn't for one second realise the need of poverty and hardship in our community. Uh, I think, look, for most of us, when you are working and, you know, you have a busy life with children and you have a job, you don't realise what other people go through or just sometimes out of, you know, not just out of the circumstances they find themselves in. But I was really kind of taken aback by the amount of poverty in, in the community and, I don't think anyone realised the need that is actually out there unless they are on the ground and they actually see it firsthand for themselves. It's it's frightening. You set up a food bank uh, that people could come to. You set up that hub. You couldn't do that unless there were people that were going to be providing the food and helping you to stock it so that you could get it out there, having first got it in. Definitely. Well, look, I can say at the start of lockdown, if everyone remembers back in March, that it was literally impossible to actually buy quantities in any supermarket even in cash and carries we actually uh, through the italian shop in Abington, we actually ordered uh, a pallet of pasta from italy it was just absolutely chaotic trying to get the the quantities of food we needed and luckily the whole community kind of just got behind this project and could see it for what it was and supported us people were coming with bags and bags of food again all the customers of the swan helmet 
really rallied round and just either there's dropping in donations, uh, some money donations or for us to buy the food or just bags and bags of shopping was coming. And look, it's been really a kind of a real whirlwind as in um, year, if I can say, just for the fact of, you know, the amount of people we've helped, uh, the amount of people we've met and uh, the amount of huge, good working volunteers. They're all in it for the right reasons. And look, what I will say is here at the Swanee Helmet, no one gets paid. All volunteers work for the right reasons. Uh, like by myself, I've worked, worked the last, you know, 11 months without getting paid. And, you know, we do it because we see the need in the community. You've put your own business on hold, maybe with the hospitality industry being affected as it has been. That was going to happen anyway. But you've gone further because, Teresa, you've set up your own charity as well. This is this is life changing stuff, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what? I honestly feel it has. Like I can say I was always a bit of a busy bee prior to COVID. I actually ran two businesses, one the Swan and Helmet, and I had a catering business called Northampton Caterers. And life was just chaotic. And I was just used to it is the way I lived. And what I realize now is, you know, now I feel I'm living as an opposed to existing, you know, and um, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, setting up a charity was never my short-term uh, dream. You know, I was thinking my daughter is actually autistic and I was thinking, well, maybe when Gracie becomes an adult, we, you know, we may set up a social enterprise or something for her. But a charity was never, never in the forefront of my mind. But doing what we were doing, I could see that if we got charity status, we can actually make a difference to the people's lives that we are helping. And it just dawned on me one day, you know, that there is other help out there we can give. Teresa, it, it sounds to me as though you never have been and never will be again just a landlady. <laughs> um, I, it's a hard one to answer. If I'm honest with you, my heart is very much in my pub. You know, it's, it's, it's probably my life. You know, I live here. I, I work here. It's my children's home. And I do see the Swan Helmet as a big part of the community, if I'm honest. It's got just so much to offer, you know, pre-COVID, even now, definitely after COVID. I always kind of said this one helmet was like um, the living room of the of the community. I think now we've, with recliners, you know, it's, and it really is good fun in here. And the pub has so much to offer. It does, it's involved in various aspects of the community. So I think this one helmet will hopefully long live, you know, and uh, we'll get back to being a pub and the community, uh, sorry, and the charity will thrive alongside it. You will tell me that this is a team effort, but nevertheless, the category is community project or person of the year. <laughs> Teresa, you are absolutely that. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. But I, I will honestly say it is really a team effort and there is some wonderful people here with me and, you know, I couldn't do it without them. So for me, it is a, it is a team effort. I knew you'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> Am I offline? <laughs> you are now. That's Teresa McCarthy-Dixon of the Swan and Helmet Pub in Northampton. Business of the Year, sponsored by Lambert Smith Hampton. Place Right UK Group. The final category of this year's Northamptonshire Business Excellence Awards, which we're looking at in this edition of All Things Business, the podcast, was won by Wellingborough-based fenestration experts Glaze Right. And that's a fantastic industrial term. You and I might be the ultimate consumers of Glazerite's products, but the company has very close relationships with its customers, taking a real interest in helping them to survive a highly competitive market. Michelle Wright from Glazerite illustrated for me just how strong those relationships are. It's really strong. Um, 
the support that we offer our customers, it, there's there's a couple of reasons that they decide to work with ourselves. In the industry, the installers that we work with are very loyal, and an installer tends to have a preference towards a particular profile system. We work with them in terms of offering them one of the widest product ranges in the industry, also with a lot of support and enhanced guarantees. So it might be, you know, they have 10-year warranty as standard, but there's always a number of enhanced benefits that they'll have on top of that with extended warranties where one of our furnitures is 20 years warranty on top of the usual 10. Um, We also work with our installers to provide them with marketing. A lot of the installers are small businesses. They haven't got time to think about their marketing and they're up against a lot of the big nationals. So we provide them with a website, brochures and social media assets that will help them to stand out against the big nationals that are around in the marketplace. So that's a real investment in the smaller business, which is, if, if you like, further down the chain to you. But obviously that reflects well on Glazerite and obviously it's an investment, frankly, in, in your own turnover for the future. And let's talk about that. You've seen massive expansion in the recent past. Surely that bucks the trend, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, the growth within the business, I mean, over the last eight years alone has been over 150%. We've seen a massive growth for the business. And last year, we put in over a million pound in investment. Um, that's from manufacturing equipment in a new showroom for one of our sites. And then this year, we've got another half a million scheduled to be placed in investment. Um, that's everything again from more manufacturing equipment, new vehicles so that we can complete deliveries more efficiently and effectively. So that's a big part of why we've grown. Clearly, you're rolling a lot into the future of the business. Just how um, exposed to new property development are you? Because that's been quite a topic for for government and for uh, a whole series of industries in the recent past and how exposed are you to perhaps people who are thinking well I don't have the money to move house right now so instead I'll invest in the in in the four walls that surround me already and you know upgrade what I've already got yeah I mean mainly our products go into um to homeowners most of our installers are supplying into homeowners although some of them are on developments and things and working commercially largest proportion is into domestic um, houses we came out of the lockdown expecting the worst really and from there as you know you know people that they're mainly investing in their homes there's no holidays and things for you know that people can spend the money on and our business um, for the same periods June July August last year was 30% up every month for that period in the last year so it, the, the volumes have been phenomenal and it's been it's actually been a real struggle for the industry. Our lead times are a lot longer than they've ever been, but we've worked with our customers, with our installers. So it has been a real partnership over these times. It, it's great that we've had so much business, but it has put a lot of pressure on our people. It's really made us look at our capacity, what we can produce and the efficiencies to try and accommodate the growth in that demand at the minute. Well, it sounds from a business perspective, you're pretty good crystal ball gazers. You've clearly invested in the future for the future. You're also investing in others further down the track to get your products out there. And that's got to be a good investment, which will see its own returns. Now, business of the year. Michelle, congratulations to you and all the team. Well done.
Thank you very much. That's Michelle Wright from Glaze Wright, Business of the Year winner at the recent Northamptonshire Business Excellence Awards. We've come to the end of this first review of the year's awards, but shortly I'll be back with part two, when I'll be looking back over the remaining categories, including Big Business of the Year. From the organisers, sincere thanks to all the sponsors who supported each of the categories contested, and from me, my thanks to all my guests, Richard Osborne from Business Data Group, Jasmine Abel from Caven Sons, Greg Guilford of HR Solutions, Helen Clements from FFP, Kevin Matthew of Scott Barder, Teresa McCarthy-Dixon and Michelle Wright of Glaze Wright. Thanks to you too for listening and joining in with the excellence of Northamptonshire's Business Awards winners. And until next time, stay safe.